and on satellite. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm back talking about the Kingdom of God today, and we're talking specifically about judgment. Do we have the right to judge? And the problem is, is that word is used so many different ways. There's there's a half a dozen different words that are translated into a form of judge or judgment in the Bible. And we have to know not only which word is used in which place to completely understand this, but we also need to know um, the context in which it is being used. Because words have different meanings depending on their context. If you're talking about a legal court, if you're talking about uh, personal judgment, you're talking about judging others, uh, these are all different circumstances. And while you have a right to determine for yourself what you're going to do, this is free will choice, you have a right to judge, should I do this, should I do that, should I get up in the morning and uh, uh, go uh, work over here or go work over there or take a Sabbath, these are all judgment calls. Uh, Personally deciding for yourself what you should do. And we all have that right. And unfortunately, many of us choose to do what is not good, what is not righteous, what is not right for us to do, but we have that right to choose to do the wrong thing. God gives us that right of choice. Now, when we choose to do the wrong thing, we will suffer for it. It doesn't mean that we there is no recompense, there is no repercussions of those choices. When Adam made his choice to disobey God and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, rather than the tree of life only. He made a choice. He had a right to make that choice, but he will suffer the repercussions of making that choice, and we have been all suffering for that ever since. And the problem is is that we're making the same choice that Adam made on a day-to-day basis. We were often trying to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life. (coughs) This tree of life that we hear about in um, the Old Testament, in the Garden, is quintessential to what is referred to in the New Testament as the Holy Spirit. It is this spiritual guide offered to us by God, where He writes His laws upon our hearts and upon our minds through this Holy Spirit, who reveals to us what is right for us to do in this moment or that moment. Now, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he will be there to tell you what to do in the next moment. And he will say, go this way, go that way. This is safe, this is not. And he will guide you, just like a compass on a ship. And if you follow the readings of that compass, you will begin to know where to be and where not to be. He'll say, suddenly stop, and you'll stop. And if you had kept going, you would have died. He will say, learn about agriculture. Learn about growing a garden. And you will call it, I just was interested in that. And it just fascinated me. I was drawn to it. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you to it. Possibly. It may not be in your case. But if you are listening to the Holy Spirit, that's the way he often works. He often draws you to go this way, go that way. That's how I found my wife. That's how uh, I've found my way to this place. That's how I have found the information in the Bible and in law books to write the books, Covenants of the Gods, Thy Kingdom Come, The Higher Liberty, The Free Church Report, and uh, the other books that I have written and am writing now. As I sit down and I listen. Okay, 
what do I do next? And I am drawn to doing this or that or looking at this or looking at that and finding answers. And the other day, somebody said that we needed to punish the wicked. And I can't really find too much in the Bible about punishing the wicked uh, as our job. You know, it would be like, uh, should we uh, uh, arrest, have Cain arrested and uh, execute him for killing his brother? And the fact is, is God said, no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't be doing that. See in uh, is it Exodus eighteen twenty six, and they judged the people at all seasons. The hard cause they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. Now that's interesting. They're they're making judgments in, and they're bringing the hard causes to Moses, and it was wearing Moses out. And of course, then they talked about setting up a system of courts and eventually those system of courts were based on the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Each congregation, the elders of that congregation formed the court and decided matters of fact and law. And we see that in the case of Boaz. He needed to have a, a matter of law decided that day. And so he got the elders together and they decided it. And, of course, there was an appeal system because there was this whole system of tens, hundreds, and thousands, and the appeal systems were what we call today in our translations the cities of refuge, and that was simply the Levites who were ministers of tens. Uh, you know, a Levite who was the minister of ten Levites would get together, and they would look at a case in a local congregation if there was an appeal to them, and decide whether or not he was fairly judged. So we have this right to judge one another, but there are also cautions in this judging of one another. Even Christ talks about, when thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. There's other quotes that talk about taking even the last penny away from you. And of course, we, I've seen this over the years where people will not settle an issue. Uh, they have no forgiveness in them. They have no calculation, uh, and they also have, they're often, it's like individuals falling off a ship and the shark's in the water, uh, and the shark is... Uh, devouring them actually if everybody in the boat jumped into the water and pulled the person out the shark would probably become confused and and back away because he would have too much going on but one individual he he'll go after that like a chunk of meat on the, on the river uh on the ocean floor um the uh the reality is, is that nobody's going to jump in the water with this other person as a matter of fact they usually hide uh, they don't have the spirit of the kingdom. They're out for themselves. They're running around doing their own thing, uh, often very prideful, uh, very arrogant, and uh, they are very self-righteous in their approach, and they get devoured one at a time because the, the courts are full of sharks. Uh, that's why people go into that business is, because they want to rule over others. They want to exercise authority over others. Very few lawyers today are going into the law because of a genuine sense of justice and righteousness. I mean, there are some. I, I believe my own father went into law for that purpose. Uh, but he was sadly disappointed because it was a pool of sharks. And lawyers were gobbling up estates and judges were taking payoffs and bribes and making deals. Uh, that is so common, so common. It is unbelievable. I always remember my brother when he was getting his master's degree. He was taking a few courses, and they were taking a final exam. I think it was in English. And um, there were five guys that were sitting there during the exam, and they were passing answers amongst each other, uh, cheating off of each other. And they were all law uh, majors, uh, which shows you 
what kind of lawyers to expect in the future. This is not that many years ago. Uh, the reality is, is uh, uh, corruption is pervasive in this world because we have all abandoned the Holy Spirit. If you were to bring the Holy Spirit more and more together, it would be like plutonium. Uh, it would create a... Uh, if we came together in one accord, it would create a reaction where evil would flee the presence of such people. Uh, it would be absolutely frightened at them. It would want to persecute them. It would want them to get away from them. It would eventually even attack them. But the reality is you would have the power of the Holy Spirit, just like the people of Egypt had this uh, column of fire between them and Pharaoh. Now, this is nothing you can play around with. You can't fake it like most of the Christians today who say, oh, I've accepted Jesus. We talked about that on Blog Talk. And they haven't really accepted Jesus. They don't even know who Jesus was. They're not doing anything that Jesus said. Yet they say they've accepted Jesus. How can you say you've accepted Jesus into your heart and be doing absolutely the opposite of what Jesus said? He said you were not to be like the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other, the princes of the Gentiles. Yet most Christians pray for their daily bread not to God, of heaven, not waiting upon the faith, hope, and charity of the people in their local congregation, but they go to the men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority one over the other and pray to them for their daily bread. And we know they do not give their daily bread freely. They give it just like Pharaoh gave it. He takes away 20% or more from your neighbor, and then he has bread to give you. But that's the bondage of Egypt, and we were never to go to that. Yet, churches everywhere say that's okay. It's not okay. It's coveting your neighbor's goods, and it's made merchandise of you. It's made you, it turned you into human resources, and your children into human resources, and you've all returned to the bondage of Egypt, and God said never go back there. He didn't send Christ to lead us back there. He sent Christ to lead us to the kingdom of heaven and the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God operates under the perfect law of liberty. It is not forcing its neighbor to contribute to its welfare. That's a debt you owe the government because you prayed at the altars of the government. And we had people saying, oh, well, if they don't pay their debt, they should be punished until they do. Well, then all those people should go to jail. Now, I personally, if I were judge, I would be a lot more lenient at least with those who are actually seeking the righteousness of God. But I am not the judge in those courts. And you're giving the world an access to you, and you cannot simply break that by your own power any more than Moses could free the people by his own power, and he had more power than you. The people could not free themselves. They couldn't just say, okay, I didn't make this contract, no, your fathers did. And what was the bondage of Egypt? The bondage of Egypt, your fathers made the contract with the Pharaoh. You couldn't rescind that contract. They were in debt up to their ears. You have to pay the debt. People say, well, Jesus paid my debt. Well, not the debt you've been making since then. <laughs> you can't get out of that. You still have to do it righteously. You're supposed to be seeking the kingdom and righteousness. People say, oh, I don't have to seek righteousness. I just uh, accept Jesus, and then I'm free. No, you're not. You're bound by your word. Jesus will hold you to your word. I mean, Peter just misspoke and said, yeah, my master pays the tax, and Jesus made him pay it. You've done a lot more than misspoke. You've accepted the benefits. You can't just get out of it by rescinding the contract. Yes, God wants you to be free. Yes, there was some deception, but, you know, crying, we talked about this before, the people who say, oh, it's all fraud. And they go into court and they actually tell the judge, it's all fraud, you have to let me go. That means that if he lets you go, he's admitted fraud. They're not going to do that. And besides, you got a hard case to prove because they published what they were doing you just didn't look it up. You didn't read it. You didn't read the fine print. You've all gone and accepted public school. You've all gone and accepted these benefits. 
You've all applied for them. You apply. You say, well, I didn't apply for the number. You used the number when you became of age. And we explain in, in Call No Man Father that this is, this is a process as old as Rome itself. Actually, it goes clean back to Babylon. It's not something new. They didn't spring it on you. You just didn't read the fine print. And your parents didn't read the fine print. And they've delivered their children into bondage. All those people that are taking those benefits today are delivering their sons and their grandsons and their great-grandsons into bondage. Now, there is a way to freedom. But you have to return to the Holy Spirit, and they will spew you out. Christ talks about the lukewarm being spewed out of the mouth of God. He talks over and over and over again in the Old Testament and the New Testament about not hearing you not hearing you because you have strayed from the ways of God. That's where you've gone. And these churches are saying, oh, don't worry about that. You're saved. Are lying to you, deceiving you. They're following the ways of the Pharisees. Now, if you truly are desirous of accepting Christ into your heart as your personal Savior, then you're going to have to see the truth. Just like Adam had to eventually see that what he had done, and he didn't want to. He couldn't stand to see himself as he really was, and he fled the light. He hid from God. And Cain even went farther out of the presence of God and created the first government. And now you're in a government just like Cain, just like Nimrod, just like Rehoboam. And the only way out is to return to the light of the Holy Spirit and start living by faith, hope, and charity. You can do that with just two or three people. Start caring about somebody else as much as you care about yourself. Simple. It's not about judging them. You judge, let bring God's judgment in. Let God fight this battle. He is absolutely willing and waiting to protect you, to hear your prayers. But you have to repent and turn around and stop coveting your neighbor's goods through the agency of government. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're still going to need a social welfare system in the kingdom. You're going to need the buddy system times ten. You need to gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And Pentecost coming up here around the 12th of June, I think it is, uh, we would like to see more congregations of records forming which is people actually physically going out and saying, I'm going to help keep track of these people. I'm going to actually start learning what it means to care about this, these people. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever it is. Gather together, and we're going to watch each other's back. And we're going to pick a minister who we think is on the same page. And he's going to keep track of you and make a record of who you are. And gather together with other ministers like himself because they're not going to think simply congregational they're going to think kingdom but it's still a kingdom based on grassroots loving your neighbor as yourself if you love the neighbors within your congregation as yourself then you're going to love the next congregation as you love your own it's just if it's true if the first is true the second must take place because it will repeat itself. It's, this is what you see throughout the universe. After its own kind. Everything after its own kind. So if you really love your neighbor as yourself, you will want to gather your congregation with other congregations. As simple as that. You won't be making up theological and eschatological, uh, eschatological excuses why, oh, I can't have anything to do with them because they don't have my brand of faith. I mean, faith is faith. Love is love. Caring is caring. I mean, Christ hung all the commandments on those two things. Love God, which is life, righteousness, judgment, mercy, and love each other as you love yourself. Simple. Well, if you won't even gather together in a simple little network, watching each other's back as individuals, as congregations, as congregations of congregations, then you don't know Christ. I've seen people shun this uh, uh, Lutheran group because they're not a part of this synod. 
You know, they, they, they can create a million excuses to divide themselves and never hear the one excuse to come together. Well, during hard times, many people will want to come together at that point. And right now, we're looking for good shepherds. Shepherds who will gather the ship, sheep, not divide the flocks. <coughs> yes, we are all have a, a right to judge. But we judge in faith and love and mercy. And that means we live according to the perfect law of liberty. We will not impose our doctrines on others. We will impose our love on others. And that will be like hot coals on our enemy's head. And will be a blessing to our brothers. So this is the way of the kingdom. Is to gather in that way. Now we'll talk a little bit about Deuteronomy 17, 11-12. According to the sentence of the law which they shall teach thee, and according to the judgment which they shall tell thee, thou shalt do. Thou shalt not decline from the sentence which they shall shew thee to the right hand nor to the left. And the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken to the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge even that man shall die and thou shalt put away the evil from Israel that man shall die some believe that this uh, shall die concept uh, is our right to execute the wicked is that really what they're talking about uh, everybody should have read our book, Thy Kingdom Comes. It's free on the net. It's worth $1,000, but you can download it for free. If you have trouble finding it, get, up, get on the Living Network, and the contact minister can show you where it is. And the pamphlet, Sacrifice of Sophistry, which is also on the net, downloadable. Hebrew language is a very interesting language, and we'll talk about that more in the second half of the show but it's composed of ideogrammic symbols which are like letters and Chinese and Japanese are based on ideogrammic symbols but they have like 400 symbols and with those symbols they create many well you don't have that many symbols in Hebrew because you have what we call an alphabet and that alphabet represents not sounds but ideas and they put those ideas together into three letter words and that forms most of the words in the Hebrew language now they'll take away a letter and they'll add a letter in order to change the meaning of a word but again the letters are based on ideas concepts not upon sounds then people write these down in the form of words and then they try to pronounce them and they find hey I can't pronounce them because there's no vowels it's, it's almost impossible well that's because it was never written to be pronounced now you can pronounce it but really you know the same as a uh, uh, someone who is deaf they will often spell words with their sign language because they don't have a sign for every single word so they'll spell them and that's basically what you can do with this ideogrammic language of Hebrew is you spell every word. Yahweh's name is not Yahweh, it's Yadavai. It's the letters. Because each letter has a meaning. Now we'll tell you the significance of why this is so important because you can go back to the ancient Hebrew and find out what words mean simply because you know how they're spelled. Once you understand the meaning of those letters. And you they are amazing overcome the lie of the earth. And we'll talk about that when we return to the kingdom. Years ahead of the dominant media, FirstAmendmentRadio.com FirstAmendmentRadio.net, around the world and on satellite. 
Since the beginning of time, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, it has been traded, it has been borrowed, it has been purchased, it has been stolen, there's a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188 or visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, and regular guest, world-renowned economist Robert Chapman, right here on FirstAmendmentRadio.com at 4 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I save my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. Then, you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away on bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products. Back to Keys of the Kingdom. If you're not a part of the Living Network, I recommend you get to be a part of the Living Network as soon as you can. And uh, um, the way to do that is to go to hisholychurch.org and sign up under the guy with the net in the local area. And then pick a contact minister and start to gather together. Start forming congregations of record so that you have a network. One of the things in the recent tragedy we saw in Joplin is that people were running around trying to hear, and all the landmarks they had previously depended on were gone, and they were actually getting lost in their own neighborhoods because things had changed so drastically. And yet they found their way often and found their loved ones and are still uh, actually searching for uh, missing people to this day. Um, that is just a shadow of what is to come. You need to start depending upon one another as a free government does in grassroots gatherings where people actually are caring about one another. We have a thing coming up in, I think it'll probably be around June 6th in Milwaukee. If you're anywhere near the Milwaukee area, you should get on the Living Network and find out where they're going to meet, when they're going to meet, and what they're going to do. There will be other meetings uh, in other parts of the country. There are meetings going on all the time in uh, places like Colorado. You should be getting together with those groups, forming your own groups. Uh, start figuring out how that early church operated because it's the same thing that was going on in Egypt among the Israelites when they were coming on their plates. 
and those plagues are coming. And we won't talk about that now, but if we did, we would scare you to death. Uh, but the reality is is that you need to come together out of love, not out of fear. And many of you will come together out of fear, but you need to learn to love, love one another. And hard times will do this. It will thin you out even more than I can do. But anyway, back to the subject at hand. Should we judge? Should we punish? What is this idea of judgment? How much right to judge do we have? Jesus says, and ye also are gods. What do we do with that? He uses the word theos there. Uh, are you a god? Uh, the reality is he said you were. Uh, a god is a ruling judge. You have a right to be a ruling judge. But do you have a right to be a ruling judge over everything? Over everybody? Do you have a right to make every decision? Where is your limit of power? You have the right to choose for yourself, but do you have the right to choose for others? And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me judge or a divider over you? It's Jesus. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for man's life consisteth not of the abundance of things which he possesseth. Through covetousness they shall make merchandise of you. The fact is, there was a system of government in the early church. It was referred to as a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire, and they did judge and decide matters. But how did they do this? What method did they use? Did they throw people into debtors' prisons? Did they, uh, when they didn't pay their debt amongst the early church, did they uh, stone people to death like the Pharisees did when they did wrong? Did Israel, early Israel, stone people to death? We read Deuteronomy uh, just before the break, uh, Deuteronomy 17, 11, and 12, and in it they refer to this, man shall die. And we need to understand that there's lots of words in the Old Testament that talk about dying or killing or murdering uh, individuals, and they use different words. And these different words have different letters, and those letters have different meanings. Uh, everything that Joshua and Israel did was not always right. Just because he did it didn't mean it was right. Joshua made mistakes. Moses made mistakes. Uh, Solomon clearly made lots and lots of mistakes. He wasn't nearly as wise as everybody said. He was pretty clever at times. But he also made huge numbers of mistakes. David made mistakes, and David was a king after God's own heart. Saul certainly made mistakes, and he was a great man until they gave him power. So just because somebody did it in the Bible doesn't make it right. Building of a stone temple wasn't right. The electing of a king was a rejection of God, but God allows men to do that. The electing of a president is a rejection of God. The electing of a prime minister is a rejection of God. It still is. But you can do that. But you will suffer the repercussions. And if you want to know what they are, go read Samuel 8. Because he'll tell you what will happen. And all the things that are happening to you is happening to you today because you rejected God. Because this is what was foretold. People are saying, oh, the government is usurping power and is taking blah, 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 blah. It's your fault. God. Now, what happens if you start accepting God and start doing what he said? Wouldn't that be an original idea, a Christian who actually does what Jesus said to do? Now, most of the promised land back in the days of Israel was settled in a peaceful way by a society that was superior to any other society around it. It was a benevolent system that did not even oppress the strangers in their midst because they were strangers in Egypt. In other words, they had no income tax, no sales tax, no property tax, and you were allowed to own gold and actually allowed to own your own property. And you didn't have to pay any taxes on it because you owned the milk and honey. You didn't have to pay for the use of your own land. You actually owned it. Wouldn't that be original? 
You would have that today in America if America was a free country. But America is not a free country because America has now become the United States and all land is owned by government suffrage. And if you don't believe me, go read the book Covenants of the Gods. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. Very clearly. Thou question. You're in the bondage of Egypt. You're not free. And stop deluding yourself that you're free. And you're not free because of government of usurpations. You're not free because of your own usurpation upon your neighbor because you judged it was right to force your neighbor to pay for your education. You judged it was right to force your neighbor through property tax to pay for your fire department, your police, your courts. You believe that it's right to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. That's the system you've created and that's the system you've become. Well, that's the system. That's your system. I don't do that. Now, this idea that he must die, put to death. The word that they are using there is translated put to death is the word muth. Uh, it's mem vav tav. That's the letters. Mem vav tav. Mem is a word that is often associated with water flowing, springs, something that is flowing, like a utility, something in motion. Bob is a connecting word or a divisionary word. It usually connects two ideas or divides them. And it's right there in the middle. And the word on the end is Tav, and that is the mark of God. That is the word that means faith. So is the flow of faith cut off? Is that what they mean by death? What is going on there? There's a number of other words. There's a word, mush. Uh, uh, and I'm pronouncing these words, although what the, the way the word really uh, goes is membav uh, shem means to depart or remove mem vav shem depart shem is actually the uh, well we won't go into all that it'll take too much time but take this for instance uh, the word uh, translated kill there are several of them one is nan nun kuf hey another one is hey rish gimel they have no common letters with muth Yet they're the word for kill. Yet we're supposed to believe that Muth is put to death. When it actually means divide the division of faith. Cutting off the flow of faith. How did they operate their social welfare system in the early days of Israel? How did they operate their social welfare system, their religion? That's how you take care of your needy, of your society, is your religion. That is the definition of religion in the Bible. How do you do that? By faith, hope, and charity. That's how it works. You simply cut them off from your system of social welfare. You cut them off from your system. You shun them from such turn away. And how do you do that? Do you do it with actual stones? Now, if you've read the book, That Kingdom Come, at least the second chapter, maybe read the pamphlet, uh, Sophistry of Sacrifices, Sacrifices Sophistry, or Artifice in Language Land is another title by that and I've got another book coming up and and I, I wish I had more time to finish it. I've tried to do a little work uh, lately, but I am just inundated with uh, work because we are self-supported ministry. We don't depend on other people supporting this ministry in order to be able to sit down and, and finish these books. We have to go out and actually make the living. And we're also shepherding the people as well as shepherding real sheep. So, uh, that's just the way it is. I only have a limited amount of time, so I haven't been able to finish that book, and I'd really love to do that. I think it's very important. If you think it's important, you can support us, but that's completely up to you. But that interesting point where the word normally for kill that we see in other places in the Bible, and each of those have different meanings, uh, Nakah and uh, Harag, if you wanted to pronounce them, don't have any common letters with moon. Yet they're supposed to mean put to death. No, it doesn't mean put to death. 
the stones of the altars were living stones in the beginning they weren't dead stones they weren't rocks piled up the same word for gathering of friends is the gathering of stones same words your altars were always to be living altars lively stones and the early church was just another example of that they weren't building buildings they were building human networks living networks of people of men and women who cared about each other as much as they cared about themselves that's what the church was the Eucharist of Christ was sacks of grain and bread loaves of bread it was the being thankful for the opportunity of giving it wasn't a crumb it wasn't a wafer it was actually the bread that sustained people through times of famine you need to form a network that can actually do this and God will bless that network if you form those congregations for the purpose of loving one another not justifying you in your false churches that you so totally accepted Jesus Christ when you haven't even begun to do what he was doing what the early church was doing what early Israel was doing caring about one another as much as you care about yourself admitting your fault your strain your rejection of God and seeking the kingdom rather than Caesar seeking the righteousness of God rather than the compelled offerings of men who simply call actors. the same combination of mem vav with another letter we see it over and over again in the Bible how about the word uh, maur mem vav rish which means change or alter and is also translated remove go back to mem vav tav was that what was happening when they said put to death or should die were they really talking about putting somebody to death were they talking about separating them out so that they were dead to you dead to your altars of charity this is what Abraham was creating his altars of charity and other people saw hey this works Abraham's doing this work they they created the same thing and it was those people networking together that were able to form an army overnight to defeat five kings who were coming through and defeating one city-state after another. This is why Christians were so feared by men like Marcus Aurelius. Because they were so well organized. They actually took the time to know one another, to care about one another. We don't even know how far that can reach in our lives. If we were really the church, if we were really being the church, you would not even consider purchasing insurance. You would not need to walk into a bank. You would not need to go to a banker to get a loan. Your brothers would loan it to you. And they would see to it that your business was a success because you were the security for their loan. They would be investing in the kingdom rather than in giant treasuries. And each of you would be a piece of the treasury of God. You would not be divided out. You'd be gathered together in His name. People think they're gathering together in God's name because they use Yahweh. That's ridiculous. You gather together in His name when you gather together in His character. There's another word in the Bible, muk, which is mav, or excuse me, mem, bav, kuf. It's translated corrupt. You see it in Psalms 73, 8. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. Read the context of Psalm 73, where David sings about being envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked this is what happens when you see the prosperity of the wicked which is not really prosperity it's a prosperity based on debt it's a card house it will fall 
and they will be absolutely, totally vulnerable. They are the unrighteous mammon. They will fall. We don't wish it upon them. We wish salvation upon them. What is salvation? Well, it's turning to God and start doing the things the way God says. It's not saying it. It's not saying, Lord, Lord. It's actually doing what God did, what God told us to do, what the early church was doing, what early Israel was doing. We should not be jealous of the wicked because they seem to prosper. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. We don't have the right to oppress even the stranger in our midst. We don't have a right to force them to contribute to our welfare. We should not be a part of such systems. But in order to break away from such systems, we need to create our own systems based upon the Spirit of God. This is what the Israelites were doing during the plagues, and you will have ample opportunity to do that during the plagues that are coming upon the world today. Isn't that wonderful? You should be like the ant. Look that up in your concordance, the ant, who was industrious, hardworking, did not need rulers and kings and queens. Each one of them knew, hey, we need... There's there's a buddy carrying a huge weight. There's a buddy trying to get this huge uh, source of truth and food to the, the rest of the colony. I'm going to help him. Nobody has to tell him twice. He just helps. Because he's considered the ant. He is the ant. Have you considered the ant who helps? Who helps support one another? Who helps build the network, the colony? What, to serve the king? No, to serve the colony. And to serve God. Because God gave the colony life. Each of us has a right to choose. Each of us has a right to judge as to what we're going to do. But we have to make that choice. And we have to act accordingly in that choice. Another example I gave is uh, Mim Bav Ayan which appears once in Isaiah, translated extortioner. Let mine outcast dwell with thee, Moab. Be thou a covert to them from the face of the spoiler. For the extortioner is at an end. The spoiler ceases. The oppressors are consumed out of the land. That is what's going to happen. They're going to be consumed out of the land. They are going to collapse. You can't change that. I, that we, we talked about that uh, in another time where people are always saying, oh, well, it's all prophesied. There's nothing we can do about it. Well, there is something you can do about where you're standing. The destruction of Egypt was coming. The destruction of the Egyptian military was coming. You get to decide what side of the pillar of fire you want to be on. The Egyptian side or God's side. So you can do something about where you're standing when the wrath of God comes wrath of God is not a bad thing for those who obey God. It's a good thing. It's a blessing. It will do away with the armies of Pharaoh and it will free all the people. But you still have to go down to the shores of the Red Sea. You still have to walk across the Red Sea when God parts the waters. You still have to come together as a nation because evil will come against you in the form of Amalek's and Malachites. There will be one trial after another. But eventually you will come into the promised land when you are suitable and got enough Egypt out of your own hearts and minds. The easy salvation preached by the modern church is destroying the world. 
that's that's a judgment call on my part, but I'm not going to beat up the church. I'm not going to send in an army. I'm not going to arrest ministers. That's not my kind of judgment. I'll forgive them, but I will leave judgment to God. I, I will not absolve them. I will not exonerate them. I'm just not going to oppress them, rule over them. I will let God do that. He'll do a better job than me. And they'll cry out in that day, and God will not hear them, just as they would not hear God's message when they heard it. And that's part of my job, is to go out and tell others what God has been really saying in the Bible, that we're not to be killing one another, oppressing one another, forcing one another to do the will. That's what the devil does. That's what the adversary does. Christ wouldn't do that. He fired the money changers, but he didn't appoint new ones. He left us to do that on Pentecost. That's what they did. That's why they had to get rid of Jesus before Pentecost. Because they were going to be out of the big bucks. There's another word, mot, mimvavtet, which is commonly translated moved or removed. And we saw that up there in, in some of the other examples. Again, this idea of move and remove. Uh, is very important because that's what mem bob when you're talking about remove you're talking about using that bob as a separator such as mem bob delath appearing once in habakkuk and is translated measure again measuring out is only this much separation talks about the uh, concept of division so it wasn't about putting to death. That's what the Pharisees wanted us to believe, and most of what we know about the Old Testament has come down to us through Pharisees because you're all attending the Pharisee church of modern Christendom. Membav Gamal, translated melt, dissolve, faint, melt away, consumed, faint-hearted. Again, that slight concept of division. Anyway, see you on Talk Show and we'll judge what we should be doing in the future of God's kingdom. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.